Hello, and welcome to the Young Musician's Guide podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Campbell. Um, Wow, we're already on episode three. That's awesome. Time really flies when you get to sit down and have conversations with awesome musicians. And that's exactly what this podcast is. It's a series of conversations with music professionals, getting their insight and how they did it and how they suggest going about it and all of those types of things so that you younger musicians can go out, kick butt, do it bigger, do it better, um, and make our music community grow and be more awesome than it ever has been before. Today, we got to have Dr. Rachel Motts on the show. She's a tuba player. She uh, is the tuba euphonium professor at the University of Florida, as well as principal tuba with the Tallahassee Symphony Orchestra. And Rachel and I's conversation kind of boiled down to don't let negative things drag you down and opportunities not going your way. If you keep pushing, if you keep being a good person, a good player, you keep showing up on time, good things are going to happen to you. Um, If you continue to do good work, people remember that and opportunities will start to fall into your lap. So we're going to get into that conversation here in a little bit. But first, I want to give a couple community shout outs. First off to Matthew James. Hey, man, Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for checking it out. And thank you for commenting on YouTube. Uh, Matthew commented. He reached out to me and he said, uh, great video and the guidance is appreciated. Both of us from the page are looking to pursue careers in music. And these kinds of videos really help us out. Thanks. The page he's talking about, he has an Instagram that I'm going to urge everybody to go and follow. It's called Products or Prodigies of Instrumentology. That's on Instagram. Go and check that out. Another thing I want you guys to go and check out is a blog being created by community member Cody Messersmith. He has featured this podcast on that blog, and I will also be uh, writing for the blog too. But the blog is called For Musicians by Musicians. Um, Essentially, he's reaching out to professionals to review products. Um, He describes it as he's going to utilize guest writers to review products from the music industry. The purpose of the blog is to inform others of what type of products are out there that could aid in practice, performance, and teaching. So thank you, Cody, for putting that resource together. Again, that's for musicians by musicians. I'll link it in the description down below and on the show notes at akcyouth.com. I think this could be a really cool resource and will be really helpful for a lot of musicians down the line. So if you have anything going on, please let me know. Or if you're getting anything out of this podcast, please send me a shout out. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to chat with you and learn how we can make this bigger or get more people and things involved. So please reach out and let me know what's going on with you um, in the community. More awesome things that you can do to help us grow as a community is like, subscribe, rate, all those types of things that you can do that take so little time but mean such a big thing to me and this podcast. It helps the channel grow. It helps the channel get found through the algorithms. And so more people can use it as a resource. um, And hopefully we will grow as a community with that. And if you have a couple of spare dollars, I highly, highly urge you, please go on to Patreon. Uh, there are different incentives on the website and all that, and you can go check that out. It's always linked in the description down below and in the show notes. What Patreon does is if you donate a dollar for the episode, every single episode, one dollar comes out of your bank account. So if you're donating that one dollar, that equals two dollars a month which might not seem like a lot, but it's a lot in helping me take care of the overhead, the hosting fees, new equipment, all those sorts of things. It means a lot when we come together as a community to make this show grow. 
So if you have a couple spare dollars and you feel like this is a great resource for you and it's been very helpful, please consider um, becoming a patron on Patreon. And then the last thing and one of the ultimate things that you can do to make this grow is share it. Give it to somebody um, who you think that this could be a good resource for or that they might find it helpful. More people, larger community, more impact. It's as easy as that. So if you could, please just share it. Last little bit of self-promo awesome. Rachel talks about it a little bit in the show. But this weekend, if you're going to the University of Florida International Brass Festival, I am doing a presentation on Sunday, February 5th at 10 a.m. Um, please come check that out. Let me know that you're from the podcast and that you're listening. And hopefully we can get to chat a little bit afterwards um, and hang out during the conference. So just let me know if you're going to be there. All right. But that's enough of the business end of things. Um, th let's go ahead and dive right into the conversation with Dr. Rachel Motz, tuba professor at the University of Florida. So a lot of your studio students are here for the weekend? Yes. For the or Music Educators we, Conference? I, but it's since I have nine students, that's a lot, so. Yeah, it's a third. Yes. Yeah, a third of my studio is there. And we've got two music ed majors there and uh, one uh, euphonium player who's in the intercollegiate band. Oh, cool. That's a yeah. good group. The intercollegiate band's always fun. Have... So they're hopefully right now they're listening to Boston Brass. I hope so. I hope they all going today and not tomorrow. I'm not sure what their what their schedule was for traveling, but I hope so because Boston Brass fantastic. I looked at the entire lineup and there's a lot of good stuff on there. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong, but like Boston Brass headlining this morning concert, that's a way to go. That's a good yeah. group. There's very few touring brass quintets. Mm -hmm. like and play who play as much as they do have you and you're in a brass quintet too right not right now but that in the past that has really been my life a lot at uga my assistantship was completely uh brass quintet i didn't grade any papers or anything like that it was just <clears throat> to be in the brass quintet and when i was in gainesville before i went to grad school i was in the gainesville brass quintet but they, of course, had to replace me while I was gone at grad school. And then now I'm back in Gainesville. But it's a little bit rude to ask the current guy to just leave. So, uh, so no, I haven't, I haven't been doing much quintet work. It's sad. I really love playing in a quintet. Well, tuba players are so nice. If it was a trumpet player, you'd ask him, you'd tell him to get out. <laughs> you, you would have showed up at the rehearsal the first day back and been like, you're in my seat, buddy. Oh, no. <laughs> so so let's let's kind of dive in to what got you here because the, the cool thing about your career is like if I were to look at your CV and your portfolio it's it's Swiss cheese in terms of you've done this you've done that you've been here you've been there you've it's it's been all over the place and that's and you know you might find that to be hectic and you know but I, I look at it and I'm like oh that's so cool that's so cool that you've you've done so many things and that's exciting um and so so let's go. Let's go way back. So was it tuba at first sight? Was tuba <laughs> was tuba your only love when you uh, saw it, or are you a failure at something else and then wound up on tuba? <laughs> what happened? Oh, you know, I I joined band because I wanted to play drums, 
like uh, Zach Hansen. I wanted to be like him, right? He was the love of my life in sixth grade, right? And I always had an interest in music. And so I thought if I could join band, then I could learn to read music and then be be a musician. And I, I my first choice on my sheet when I filled it out was drums. And, and of course, all the kids wanted to play drums. And then I, I saw tuba and, and the teacher said, well, nobody's really playing that. And I need someone to play that. And I like to be helpful. So, and I also thought, oh, that's, that's so weird and random. So sure, let's, let's do that. And I think for the first, you know, until maybe a couple of years ago, I've just been laughing about what, ha ha, look, I'm playing tuba. This is hilarious. So <laughs> I think part of it was, was humor. I thought my mom would be, I, I wanted to see the look on my mom's face when I brought it home and all that kind of, you know, weird kid stuff. So and I felt needed to. It was nice to feel like, okay, I'm 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 doing something that's contributing to this. He needs a tuba player, I'll play tuba. <laughs> so <laughs> so when when did you start thinking, you know, hey, I'm gonna major in this thing. I'm gonna go to college and study this thing seriously. Was it uh, high school or? <laughs> okay, so I I tell my students this kind of stuff all the time. So if if you're anything like me in high school, uh, I was very much a a slacker, and I got really great grades. But I was always that kid that studied ten minutes before the test, and I would just cram. And then you know when I was home, I'd do my homework real fast, and then I just wanted to play Mario and Kirby for the rest of the evening or do whatever. So I actually went into music for college because I I really was looking at the other majors and thought, oh, that looks hard. That also looks hard. Not knowing that music is, of course, a very hard major. Um, I also went to an art school for high school, and so I think a lot of other kids were doing it, and I, I didn't, wasn't really independent thinker at that time, and I just said, okay, sure, I'll I'll do this. And I, I saw that you didn't have to take any chemistry or really hard math to be a music major. So I thought that's great. And uh, I had been to FSU summer music camps for a few years and I really liked them. And so I applied to FSU and that's it. That's the only school I applied to. Uh, I knew that scholarship wise for the state scholarship, I'd get a full ride and I did. And uh so I really did the bare minimum. I mean, I didn't apply to any other school. That's funny. Yeah, music's <laughs> not going to be hard. Let me uh, right. let me apply to, especially at the time that you auditioned, arguably the best school of music in the Southeast. Uh, <laughs> Definitely yeah, in the I, state. I, but I wouldn't have known that. I was, you know, I was just, I thought, oh, yeah, band camp was fun. Let's do that. I, mean, I was very much a kid, you know. So did you, how did you wind up in the School of the Arts? Uh, Dreyfus? Oh, my gosh. So I was really in a, in a bad uh, middle school situation. The band director was amazing. He was the only reason I came to school at my first middle school. But uh, I really wanted to, to, to get out of that situation. And actually, as a kid, I grew up uh, drawing a lot. And that was what I really loved doing, actually, was, was drawing. But I didn't really have any formal training. And I drew lots of cartoons and you know, people liked my artwork and I, I was always trying to get into the art school for art. And I auditioned in at the end of fifth grade, I auditioned in sixth grade and I still didn't get in with art. And, um, 
and this is a funny story. I feel like the tuba kind of saved my butt a little bit. My my dad said that he went into the office, you know, during my seventh grade year. We're going to try getting into the art school again. And he actually overheard the band director saying, I'm going to have to switch my daughter to tuba because I, I don't have enough tuba players. And he was asking the secretary, do you have any applications for tuba players coming in? And so my dad took a band application. He brought it home and he said, you're going to audition on tuba for the school. And I said, I barely know how to play tuba. I've only been playing for a year. Uh, at that point, I'd only been playing for a year. I barely knew how to read music. I just kind of, you know, puffed along in band and it was good enough because I was the only person back there doing it, right? And uh, and he was so desperate for tuba players that that he accepted me, despite the fact that I blatantly failed all of the written exams. And I'm sure the, my playing wasn't that fantastic. But uh, so that's actually how I got in. And then I so I was in there for eighth grade and then I had to re-audition for the high school. But uh, eighth grade, I improved a lot. And uh, going into the high school, coming from the middle school, there's usually a better chance you'll you'll get in and luckily the instrumentation need was there and so I ended up at the at the Dreyfus High School of the Arts in West Palm and I I'm so thankful for it because I don't think there was another school that would have really fit in and would have really uh, had a good time in high school I had a great time in high school so there's a lot of artsy weird kids like me so it was it was really fun so <laughs> so your bachelor's degree is in performance correct it is. Is everything in performance? It is. You broke the mold. And it's really no. You know what's really funny is, I I always try to leave that out when I talk to people. A lot of times people say, "What's your doctorate in?" And I say, "Music." And I just hope they stop there, you know. <laughs> or they ask, "What are your degrees in?" And I say, "Music." And hopefully they go, "Cool." And they don't go, "Well, what in music?" And then I say, "Tuba." And they say, wait, so you have three degrees in tuba? Like, that's allowed? And I said, yeah, I know it sounds really bad, but, but yes, then, it's like, a thing can do. <laughs> that's your, that's literally your profession, right? You, that is your industry. Yeah. That is what you do. And yeah. if somebody had three degrees in, I don't know, engineering, we'd be like, oh, you must be a fantastic engineer. When you say, I have three degrees in tuba, the general population just looks at you like an idiot. Like, oh, what? Why? Right. Well, most of the time they laugh. And I think the laugh is you know, one addressing their own kind of, uh, oh, I had no idea that existed. And also uh, the thing I get a lot is, you know, people look at me and they don't expect my degree to be in tuba. Actually, 90% of the time when I say my degrees in music, people say, oh, what do you do? Do you sing? That's the follow-up question. It's always, do you sing? And uh, I kind of wish I did, but there's not a lot of work for, you know, female tenors anywhere. So uh... <laughs> not a lot of work for male tenors. Okay, right. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's it's interesting that you get that kind of that almost degree guilt in it. I think that's yeah. why I, I think that was a lot of my driving force into pursuing my music education degree first was I was right. like I was just told over and over again that a performance degree is is something that unless you want to be an orchestral person or unless you want right. to unless you are like you know, God on euphonium in fifth grade, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, which is not the case, by the way, people. This is <laughs> this up. Um, if you want to heck, learn, want to learn a heck of a lot of pedagogy, spend a lot of time practicing and uh, really focus in on what you're doing. Performance is the way to go. You know, I, 
again, I, I think I got into it because uh, the music ed degree at FSU looked really hard, and it is hard. <laughs> so I said, it uh, is. And they still graduate a lot of people, too. I know. It's, and it's a tough program. It's five years. It's, um, you know, it's really rigorous. I've, I've seen friends of mine who I consider to be so much more intelligent than me, you know, barely scraping by in some of the upper level classes. It's very, very rigorous. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going on there. So then did you go to grad school right after? I did. And, you know, so this is I think grad school was really where my career started. And I'll tell you a story and I hope this will help any young people listening because I I'm not normally a person who says things work out for a reason I don't like that kind of uh, stuff because you know terrible things happen to people all over the world all the time but I had a situation that really did work out for me and at first it at, uh, it seemed like a terrible situation so it's the end of my senior year uh, I had just taken a bunch of grad school auditions up north because I thought, oh, well, if I'm going to be a serious player, I need to go to Chicago or I need to go to, you know, somewhere like that. And but I really knew in, the, in my heart of hearts that I wasn't on par with the other seniors in my class. Uh, one of the other seniors in my class is currently principal tuba of the Montreal Symphony. So oh. I, I kind of, right, exactly. And I always knew that I was a little bit behind. And like I said, it's because I was kind of, I'd always scrape by, just do the bare minimum. That's kind of how I was for a long time. And uh, so, you know, I took all these grad school auditions and I took them because honestly, I, I didn't know what else to do with my life. I, I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to go get a job after this. What do I do? Oh, everyone else is going to grad school. I guess I'll do that. And even at this point, I'll be completely honest with you, I wasn't completely convinced that this is what I like should be doing. I, I was I did it out of fear of, I don't know, making a wrong choice and trying to do something else. And so I auditioned all these grad schools. I get rejected from all of them, all of them. And and I this all these rejection letters come the week of my senior recital, of course. So I, that wasn't that wasn't a very good week. But also what happened around that time, Jay Hunsberger from USF came to FSU to give a master class in a recital. And uh, we very rarely had outside guest artists for tuba and euphonium come into FSU during my time there. It was just a kind of time where not a lot of that was going on. And he came and he did some coaching. And I hadn't thought of USF as a possibility because I, I just I hadn't heard of it that much. Well, what and year I, was this too? This was in 2008. 2008 yeah, so, so not a lot of people were thinking this is when usf nationally was just kind of becoming a thing right right like they didn't have the nice new building they didn't have um yeah i hadn't really thought about usf as a place to go but i i just immediately connected to jay i loved the way he taught and when he performed he did a lot of like modern stuff that i had never seen and i thought i really connect with this and so after my senior recital, after all that was over, I emailed Jay, and this is in March. So if, if you don't know, by March, usually you know where you're going to school the next year. You've had it all set up already. So in March, I, I say, Jay, I know this is a long shot, but are you looking for a grad student for next year by any chance? I just really, I just really want to work with you. And he said, you know, I have an assistantship open. I've interviewed a lot of people, and I, I haven't really connected with anyone yet. So we did kind of an informal interview slash audition where I sent him recordings, believe it or not, which is hilarious because it was in Florida and I traveled to all these other places to audition. But 
but and then I and then I got in and uh, he took me on as his grad student and what that led to if that did not happen I would not have a career because when I was in grad school during my first or second year both the Tallahassee Symphony and Gainesville Orchestra of Spots opened up and I got both of them they were the, both of those auditions were th- were within a month of each other and um, they're local small orchestras so not a lot of people came out for the audition so it was a place where I could you know, do an audition and actually be successful because it wasn't like a big national one. Um, but just having like a couple of principal spots on your resume is just that's the difference between someone getting invited to a national audition and not. So uh, so long story short, getting rejected from all the northern grad schools was the best thing to happen to me, even though at the time it seemed pretty uh, devastating. So uh, so just keep keep looking out for opportunities if something awful happens. Well, it's it's very interesting too, and I want to unpack a little bit about this. And one of the things, um, if the audience hasn't realized this yet, um, my studio teacher going through undergraduate was also Jay Huntsberger. And one of the mm-hmm. coolest, and he's he was Florida's best kept secret for the longest time. Yes. Um, and one of the cool things, and what she said was when he responded to her about, hey, do you have a graduate person? A bunch of people did apply, and I'm sure there were great tuba players, um, and I'm sure they were nice people, but he talks about that connection. Jay will not, t- and a lot of studio teachers will take, hor- not, I don't want to say horrible players, but like he will take lesser players, and he will, and he will pass on better players if the personality isn't there. Um, yeah. And a lot of studio people will do that, too. Um, so don't go in and be all pompous and be a jerk and be like, <laughs> be like, I've got, I've, I can play all 12 of my Arbin characteristic studies at 160. Where is everybody else at? Like, don't be that person. You also have to be a nice person. You also have to have some sort of social skill and be able to, you know, communicate. Well, you're going to be spending a lot of time together and all that time is not playing. A lot of that time is talking. A lot of that time is exchanging information. I think this goes uh, for professional auditions too. They, at the end of the day, everybody wants somebody that they're going to enjoy working with. Uh, and that's it's that's not really hard to do. Just 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 be nice. Be you. Just, just be yeah. yourself. And uh, and a lot of orchestras and military bands. A lot of times they'll um, they'll throw either they'll have a face-to-face interview with you and then a lot of times they'll even throw you into the brass quintet or a smaller chamber group to kind of see how you meld with everybody else in the group too so Mm -hmm. um yeah who you are matters as well (laughs) it it really it really does so then so then those two years are done and then you went through a little bit of a not school period correct i did that's when you met me and then you you just yes I remember being so intimidated by her, folks. Oh, no. That's, I, I saw that's, her practicing her scales, and I came in. I was a junior. I just came back from community college where I was big fish, little pond. And I saw her practicing and go out, and I was just like, I'm done. I just can't do this. I'm not. This is no. what this, this is. what this, And this was also you, Alex, Chris Netterville, Natalie, like all these people. And I was just like, you know. And I still, I, I still, for the long, until probably here recently, I was very intimidated by Rachel Matz. Uh, Matz. <laughs> it's maths i felt so bad I've, I've had teachers go year or two saying maths and because i i'd be embarrassed to correct them <laughs> so oh good no please correct me because i'm going to say uh, the name a thousand it's a, times when i record oh, the it's intro totally it's totally fine so yeah it's it's maths for the record nice it's a german way. name ah. 
Yeah, it's a German name. <laughs> so, so what happened in that in between time? So, how many years was it from master's to doctorate? I took three years off, and after my master's degree, I was a little bit burned out, and it wasn't because of Jay. Jay was awesome. Jay was. Jay has been just one of the biggest supporters of me my whole life. I can't, I, I can't possibly say enough good things about him, but I think, uh, I was worn out a bit, uh, from trying to just, you know, pursue everything so hard. And, and yeah, I had, uh, the Tallahassee and Gainesville jobs, but you know, those are part-time those, you know, might have each orchestra might have four to five concerts a year. So that's, you know, that's beer money. That's not, you know, anything you can really count into to your budgeting. So I didn't really have, um, you know, options when I got out of school. I, I, the, I didn't want to teach a high school band or anything like that. And so I just decided to continue doing the part-time job I had during grad school. And I went full-time there at the, at what's called the Bull Runner at USF, which is the bus. Have you seen the and new I, ones, by the way? I have. I'm jealous. <laughs> Everything's nicer at USF since I left. But so for those of you that don't know, at USF, uh, a lot of campuses have this. You have student bus drivers. And after my master's degree, I said, you know what? I just want a year to like myself to just have an easy job and then I'll practice. And uh, I worked a night shift at uh, the at uh, the Bull Runner as a bus driver. And I worked as a secretary a little bit there during the day. Uh, but I, I was just a bus driver for a year, and I think uh, that was actually great. That was a great time for me to just, you know, kind of gather myself again. And then I ended up going to Gainesville to freelance. Uh, there was a guy here named Alex Van Duren, who now teaches at University of Tennessee. He teaches trombone. He's an excellent musician, excellent person, just I, I, another person I can't say enough good things about. And uh, he had gone to UF. He was here and he had a studio. He he was teaching at all these different local schools because he had so many connections. And then he got an offer to do his doctorate on a fully funded assistantship. So he went and he said, hey, I have all these students and schools that, you know, they're not going to have a teacher when I leave. So you could just move up to Gainesville and, and freelance like I've been doing. And since you already play with Tallahassee in Gainesville, that works out. And so I said, it was just perfect. I, I couldn't believe my luck. <laughs> and uh, so then that's what I, I did that for two years. And I would go into public schools and teach lessons at music store and play an orchestra. And that was my life. So, so then you're doing that for a while. And then how did the doctorate come up? You know, I wasn't planning on going back to grad school. I was kind of uh distrustful of academia at that point. <laughs> and, uh, but, but I got word of an assistantship opening up with Dave Zirkel at UGA and the assistantship is, uh, you get a stipend, which is like a salary and your whole tuition is paid for. And my only job would be to play with this brass quintet. And I said, that sounds so perfect. That sounds like that was made for me because I had been doing a lot of brass quintet work in Gainesville. That's that was my main source of income was with the Gainesville brass quintet. We did so many gigs, and so I said, "Oh my gosh, I I have to apply even if I don't really want to go back to grad school." Free doctorate with Dave Zirkel. I I can't not apply for that. Uh, mostly to study with him, not so much for the title. 
Oh man, uh, I mean, what so, does that guy know though? Uh, he is. This is the third time he's been mentioned on this podcast. Well, my students are probably sick of me mentioning him. He needs. And... <laughs> All right, so the University of Georgia needs to endorse in this podcast because. <laughs> The, what is it, the Hugh Hudgens School of Music? Hugh, Hugh Hodgson. Hodgson, yeah, that school Hodgson. That, that school needs to produce this podcast because they get so many free plugs on here. Man, there there's so much good going on there. And actually, I have to say, I was blown away by the facilities there, too, are really nice. And that's something that uh, you can take for granted if, you've, if you're in nice facilities for a while. But, you know, if you're young and you're looking at schools, you know, if facilities are a big deal to you, don't feel bad about that. It's important. <laughs> it is. I mean, I I was stuck in that. I had a semester before the new School of Music was built at USF, and uh, I absolutely hated the tuba room. We're in Tampa, Florida, room. so it's <laughs> ninety degrees outside. Yep. So you want me to practice? I had a I had a dent in the bell of my horn from an acorn hitting it. I think everyone did, didn't they? It's, it's like a tradition. And, <laughs> and so the only time that, because I just would refuse to practice outside and all that kind of stuff, and I was also not very self-conscious at the time. So mm. what I would do is I would wait for, I would wait by practice rooms while right before orchestra was about to happen because all the string players would sit in the rooms. Okay. And then as soon so as you, they would abandon, I would just take one. So you didn't like practicing outside? Absolutely hated it. Oh, wow. I'm You're not, the opposite of me. <laughs> I'm mount, I am mountain man. I am not built to live here in South America. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be up, up north. It's just by the grace of God that I've landed here. And thank, thankfully, I'm in Tampa, and I love Tampa, Florida. But I do not like the weather of Tampa, Florida. Oh, you think Tampa is the South. That's cute, you know. <laughs> Listen, I, I lived in Miami for six weeks, and you saw how fat, and it was six weeks. I got out of there very quickly. <laughs> oh, man. No, I always practiced outside. I, I actually really loved it. I didn't like the weather, but I, I prefer to practice outside if I can. I, I feel like I sometimes chose the wrong job because I love being outdoors, and music requires you to be inside so much. And with tuba, it's not like a string instrument. It's not delicate. You can go outside. You can and you can play. So, um, and also, I found it opened up my sound a lot. The FSU practice rooms were very, very um, loud, and so I felt like outside I couldn't play loud enough. So it actually opened up my sound a little bit. I I think. All right. So you hear it here. Go annoy your neighbors, kids. <laughs> Irritate them. Just point right at the window. <laughs> So, so then you're done with the doctorate and it's every single time you finish a degree, there's a, there's an amount of panic, right? Yes. There's a, like, okay, <laughs> now what you handed me, you hand the piece of paper and it's like, oh crap, I gotta do this again. Especially as the older you get and the more degrees you collect, it's like every single time it's like, am I really going to do this again? Am I going to? Yeah. It's just embarrassing. It's... So, <laughs> did you have anything lined up after the doctorate was done or? So. It was interesting. I, I had taken a couple of auditions um, my last year in school, a close but no cigar kind of thing. And I remember I was in a practice room preparing for something. I can't remember what I was preparing for, but I was I was like at wit's end. I was uh, I had just lost a couple of auditions and uh, I thought, what am I going to do? Like, I have nowhere to go after this. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was so upset. And then I got a phone call. I remember this day because I was I was in tears in a, in a practice room or a classroom. 
And uh, I got a phone call from Eric Shin, who teaches trombone here at UF and who I've, I've been friends with for some years. And he said, you know, we've got, uh, we, we need a tuba teacher. Like we're, we're losing our, we're losing our guy. And so do you want to throw your name in the hat? We just had a meeting and a couple people, you know, mentioned you as someone who might be potentially interested. And I said, yeah, sure. And it was such a fast thing. I, I got my, CV edited and cover letter done in a matter, I mean, it was less than 24 hours. I had to send it and, uh, and then we had a Skype interview and then I, you know, wasn't sure what was going on. And then my, uh, the day I graduated, uh, the, I walked across the stage and then right as I was about to go into my favorite pub with my family, after that, I got a phone call from UF saying, Hey, do you want to come teach here? And it was, uh, again, I, so much of stuff is, is luck. I just feel like it's, it's luck. I just, you know, if I had been in my second year of my doctorate, as opposed to my first or, or, or as opposed to my last, sorry, when this job came open, you know, I might've not been able to do it. Things like that. Just, uh, and you know, I, I invested so much of my career in Florida with all the other stuff I'd been doing. Georgia's actually the farthest North I've ever lived. And, uh, so having invested a lot of my career in Florida, it, it actually paid off because that, that was part of the, one of the things that set me apart for this job, I think, is that I was already locally known. I'm already someone who's put a lot into the Florida music scene. And so uh, it just, it just worked out. It was really crazy. Yeah. It's funny. Cause you, it's, it's, it's cool for me. Cause I don't, I don't know these stories, folks. Um, oh. Some of the people I've interviewed, I know their, I know them so well that I know their stories back and forth. But it's really cool to me to hear, like, you know, not ten minutes ago in this interview, you were talking about your recital week and getting let down from all these schools and all this kind of stuff. And now you're telling me about the day you graduated, you also got a, your first pro- big professor job, as well. Right. It's that's, just that's, uh, that's so weird. Cool. It's really strange. And you know, I, if if I can impart anything to younger people listening you're never going to feel like ready, ready, if that makes sense. Like maybe you're thinking something will come along once you feel solid and ready. No, you're always going to feel a little bit uncertain. You're always going to feel a little, I I mean, anyone who is um, constantly striving to improve is going to question, you know, oh, am I ready for this? You know, so, uh, and sometimes you're going to get thrown into something before you really feel like you're, you're ready and that's okay. Just, just go for it. <laughs> I mean, that's the, I mean, we, there were memes going around of this quote earlier. I was trying to find a, find who might've said it or, but that, that whole done, not perfect. Right. Just do it, put it out there. It's better than anything else. Right. There's so, and there's so much more happens when, uh, and, and to me in a bad way when, when we're paralyzed by indecision as opposed to making a wrong decision. A wrong decision, you can at least learn something. But indecision is just stressful and, and then nothing happens. You don't move forward or backward and you're more frustrated in the end. So you get done, you're at UF, and then you're still playing with Tallahassee, correct? Yes, I played with Tallahassee during graduate school at UGA, even though it was five hours away. Uh, so I always wanted excuses to come into Tallahassee and plus I, I didn't want to give up the one principal pos- or one of, or I didn't want to give up both of my principal positions. I had to give up the Gainesville job because it was just too far to make 
that work. It's just a little bit further south. Um, so I kept Tallahassee. It also probably helps that my boyfriend at the time was living in Tallahassee. So it was a great excuse to go visit him. <laughs> well, it's helpful, too, when you've got somebody whose place you can crash out if you need to. Right. And, yeah. Right. And not have to pay for a hotel. Yeah. Right? Or anything like that. Yeah. Kind of so, so you drove that. You're like, you. Yeah. And was there, was that, was that a, a conscious decision to drive that? Or were you just like, <laughs> I want to keep this spot, so I'm going to do it? No, I wanted to keep the spot because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen after. I didn't want to be left with absolutely nothing after. Um, Tallahassee is kind of like a second hometown to me. I have lots of friends there. Um, a lot of my closest friends live there. Uh, I always feel like uh, I'm welcome there. There will always be uh, somewhere for me to land there just because I have a lot of support uh, in terms of, of friends. And so uh, I thought it was smart to keep that job in case after school, you know, if nothing worked out, I thought, well, I, I can just go to Tallahassee, work somewhere, and then still play with the orchestra, still keep my chops up. Uh, so it, it stinks to kind of look at it in that sort of, uh, you know, practical way, but you, you, you have to do these things once you get older. So, Yeah, a lot of people are not willing to travel in order to maintain jobs because it's, I mean, it's kind of, if you think about, because musicians have this kind of, we have these portfolio careers where it's, it's not, I worked at a job for 40 years. I got a paycheck every two weeks. I retired. I got my 401k. It's, it's very rarely that a lot. I mean, sometimes people get their orchestra job with like Chicago and that's where they are and that's where they sit. And with those jobs, a lot of times it come comes with, hey, you know, I live in, you know, Dallas, Georgia. This is where my job is. This is where I live. And this is where all of my work <laughs> is. And that's the only place. And there you but listen to testaments of like the guys who are out there playing and doing it. And they'll tell you, yeah, I, you know, when I was going when I was doing this job and playing with this band, I would drive five hours to rehearsal every Saturday or whatever it was. And so be you, it's, it's something you, you're going to have to be willing to do if you want to play. I mean, even if you're just freelancing teaching, you're going to be driving a lot. Um, even some of the schools within my county here are still a good 30 to 45 minutes away, you know, each way. And um, yeah, if you don't like uh, driving and commuting, a freelance life's going to be rough because you, you have to go where the gigs are. Um, I know a lot of people in this area, not just in Florida, but in Georgia, too, that commute between Florida and Georgia all the time for various gigs. They play with uh, multiple small symphonies like Gainesville Orchestra, Tallahassee Symphony. Most of the time, uh, if you're somewhere like here, if you're not in Chicago Symphony, you're going to be doing multiple small gigs. So someone might be in Macon Symphony, Albany Symphony in Georgia, and they might live in Atlanta. So they have to travel to those. Um, there's... But it is nice that there are a lot of part-time orchestra gigs because, uh, to me, it's more fun. I like kind of going all over the place. The only thing that you do miss, though, um, coming from a school setting or coming from a full-time setting, if you were doing that for some reason, uh, is, is it's hard to get that coherent group sound because uh, the personnel is changing all the time. You have subs coming in and out a lot. 
Um, to me as a brass quintet player, what's really satisfying is being with the same group for a few years and then getting like that group sound where just everything locks all the time and you can always rely on the other people like, and it just fits and it's, and it just sounds great and it's fun in part-time orchestras. You don't really get that. You, you might have the principal players that are there every year, but like it's, it could be different personnel from concert to concert. I TSO, I don't think we ever have the same horn section for more than one concert, um, and then you have, you know, instead of a month of rehearsals, like you do in school, you have four rehearsals, right. To get it together and to sound like a coherent group. So it, it's a, it's a definitely different kind of skill. Uh, and I, unfortunately we don't get to do that a lot in school, but, uh, if anyone wants to do this, you know, I'm, I'm sure most people listening know that in a professional orchestra, you're going to get like four rehearsals and it might be with people you've never seen before. And that's just that's just how it works. So I mean, that's half of the reason. I mean, it's a lot of the reason you play the excerpts and you learn the excerpts when yeah. you're in school. Like a lot of people think, oh, I just learned the excerpts for these auditions. But no, you learn them. So when you go into a situation like that and, right. you you know, I when I see Stars, Stars and Stripes Forever on my stand, I'm like, OK, I, I know it. And you, and like it's like me, flute and tuba are like the people where that's that I see Stars and Stripes. That's intimidating. Yeah, well, and there's the other thing is, yeah, knowing the rep is is so important. Um, People are just going to expect you to be able to plop down and and play it. And a lot of gigs uh, and gigs that pay okay, you know, pick up gigs here and there. You play a graduation, you play a wedding. You got to be able to sight read. And they might hand you something like Stars and Stripes because everybody knows it. But most people don't know that the tuba part is incredibly hard. No, that's why I mentioned it. Right. You know, your, your clarinet player giggles. You know, at the thought of that song, and you know, the the trick to sight reading too is don't sight read. Right. Well, well, and you get better at it over time. But another thing uh, that happens a lot that I think I was taken aback by when I first started working is when you have a pops concert. Which normally, when you have a pops concert, you're going to have even fewer rehearsals than you would for like a regular subscription nighttime. Everybody in formal black concert. If you have a pops concert, they might throw you right of the Valkyries and Pirates of the Caribbean and all this kind of stuff that's actually kind of hard to play but like since everybody in the audience is going to recognize it it's kind of our easy pops music quote-unquote you know stuff uh John Williams Star Wars is hard yeah Star Wars is really hard if you've never played Star Wars it's hard and here's the thing since it's a pops concert they're not invested in it in terms of money so you're gonna have because it might be a free concert or it might be like one of those, you know, bring your kids to the park concerts. So you're only going to have one rehearsal, maybe two to get stuff like these heavy hitting brass things together. And so, yeah, the more rep, you know, the the better. So you can just plop down and play it. And I'll, and even for pops, the, the orchestras won't ass- or they'll assume that, you know, the rep. So they won't even send it to you in advance a lot of the time like they would for a regular like nighttime you know, subscription orchestra concert. I mean, they'll just, you'll get there the day of and you'll be like, oh, cool. I have to play Romeo and Juliet Prokofiev, you know, thing today. I did. That was at a Pops concert, a Halloween concert. We had to play, we had to play uh, Montagues and Capulets. But, you know, that's, that's why you have to be professional. You have to know the stuff because they're just going to sit you down and you have to be able to just play it. Oh, and not just play it the way you've played it in a practice room. You've got to be able to play it with the people sitting next to you, with the conductor you have. 
that's another thing that's hard about this is, is you learn the excerpt for auditions and you get it to where it's consistent for you to where you can play it the same every time. Cause for an audition, you want that. So you don't misfire, but then you get in the orchestra and the, the conductor takes a completely different tempo or they want it completely different style than you've ever played it in your life. So you also have to be flexible too. And yes, <laughs> there's, the, <laughs> and, and what's really What's really fun too is when a lot of times, like, like uh, I just ran into this situation, and like Florida Wind Band is breaking in a new librarian, um, which is a group I play with. And normally, I get an email with a Dropbox folder where I can look at all the music and I look for the magic four-letter word of solo, or I look for right. anything that's hard really quick, uh, and right. or anything I might not know. And, but when the week we got this new librarian, she completely over, she had no idea that a, what a euphonium section was or that it was a thing. And so we didn't get an email. So Roy and I sit down and there was, there was stuff on that concert. <laughs> like there was a, there was a Philip Spark transcription of a brass band piece. Oh Lord. Which is copy, <laughs> which for euphonium is always either copy or paste or it's, Hey, let's make it even harder. So oh my gosh, I think it was a hymn of the Highlands is a great brass band piece um so what what is a and I'm, I'm gonna i love the reaction i'm gonna get uh what is a normal week like for you oh, like gosh. give me you know just make up something <laughs> <laughs> a normal week yeah exactly so exactly. so if, if you so a lot of people are surprised that since i'm at a big university i'm adjunct but i am adjunct i only have nine students um and so I teach on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'll teach a, I'll teach a studio class uh, on Mondays, and now we're going to have one Fridays too because we got invited to Surtech. Woohoo! So we're going to uh, do that. So my normal week is Monday teach a, teach studio class, and then Tuesday teach four lessons, Wednesday teach five lessons, and then the rest of the week is kind of up to me. Um, if I have Tallahassee symphony, I'll go there. I'll just go there for the whole week. Um, but most of the time I just spend my extra time practicing and, uh, I spend a lot of time at the dance studio right now. Uh, I'm a dancer too. And I'm really, uh, burying myself in dance right now. I think because work is kind of light. Uh, and that, so that's, that keeps me, uh, busy. But, uh, but yeah, my weeks are super relaxed and actually I, I, I even bought one of those annual passes for Disney, the weekday only ones that are cheap because I don't teach on Thursdays. So a lot of times on Thursday I go down to Disney and I, <laughs> and my joke is that I was so sad for grad school. It was very hard. So now I'm making up for it with Disney. I'm, I'm replenishing my, my How happiness. How dare you live life? How I know. dare you? So have, yeah. How dare you do anything that's not tuba? So yeah, if I'm honest, like I, it's uh, it's pretty light. Although you end up when you're teaching, of course, anyone who's taught knows this. You end up finding yourself in your off hours, you know, getting stuff for your students or planning stuff for your students. Like you know, I I have to plan funding for Surtech and I have to budget that and I have to figure out transportation. So that's taking up some of my free time. But and you don't have a grad yeah. assistant, right? No, I don't have a grad assistant, and um, no, would, I don't. They think... would do a lot of that stuff. That's why you I, I would just shorters. make make them do that yeah but then i'd have a grad student so you know yes yeah, so they're like kind of like having a baby <laughs> that's like having a kid <laughs> um so you 
so you know the schedule Swiss cheese. Uh, you, you're playing with Tallahassee, and you're are you picking up just freelancing gigs as well in the area? Yeah, it ha- it's it's it happens here and there. But like I said, you know Gainesville Orchestra and Gainesville Brass Quintet they replaced me while I was gone, which is what they had to do. They couldn't not have a tuba player for three years, and so you know those uh, those things are those things are still here. But I I don't do them, and if I need to substitute, I'm here. But you know. So honestly, the break after school has been kind of great to just uh, not be so busy. In grad school, I was I was very busy. The, the doctorate at UGA, they don't mess around. It's very rigorous. Uh, so, so, you, but you create a lot of your schedule, and you you have you you have that. Hey, I have this wide open spot on Thursday for six hours. I'm gonna head down to Orlando and go yeah. to Disney and do that. So, do you? Is that a a positive thing? Or you do you like the fact that you can make your schedule, or do you find it to be hectic? Or you know, I I have liked it for the most part. Although I have to say, I'm generally someone who thrives on being busy. So I don't know if this is sustainable. This kind of uh, not being busy thing. So I I will now that I'm more settled into this position and in Gainesville, I'll, I'll have to be thinking about, you know, what I can do more. Although being able to run off to Disney once a week is really fun. So I don't do it every week by any means, but, uh, just maybe once a month or something. But, uh, but yeah, I mean also that your day ends up getting taken up by other things. Like you have to run errands and, you know, practicing. It's one thing that's nice about practicing. I can just kind of lollygag and it's, uh, you know, just kind of do a little here, do a little there. So. It takes a lot of the pressure off of it. It makes it less of a chore in a lot of ways. It does. It does. But I, I have to say, I'm also someone who does well with structure. So I might have to see if this uh, if this works better for me as opposed to something more structured. When I was freelancing, I was very busy, and I had you know had to really structure when my practice was and how much I would how much I would do. And what I would do every day. So, and I was also taking tons of auditions when I was freelancing. So, I actually, I, yeah, I kind of don't know what to to do when you're not preparing for an audition or recital. Like, what do you do with your life? So, <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like you found ways to be creative because you've also, I mean, another half of your life is this dancing thing that you've been it is. super involved in, and you're planning like dance recitals or shows and stuff like yeah. that too. So it yeah. seems like. I mean, you're you're not doing yourself a lot of justice when you're when you're <laughs> speaking, but I'm going to go ahead and, and do it for you. I mean, it does. You are constantly finding some means in which to be creative, um, not necessarily on the tuba at all times, but hey, it doesn't have to be on the tuba. You know, there have been uh, there have definitely been years where I've made more money uh, as a dancer, teaching and performing dance than I have as a tuba player. I mean, it's such a it's such a big part of my life. You'd have to cut off my legs, and even if you did, I'd still figure out a way to dance. Uh, it's, uh, I really been burying myself in it lately because man, it's, it's the best stress relief there is. And it's, it's just so fun. And, uh, I, I think dance makes me a better musician and I think my, uh, my music training makes me a better dancer. And yeah, we actually just started a rehearsals for a big cabaret show last night. And so I'm so excited. This is going to be, it's going to be so fun, <laughs> but not like, not like Vilkelman cabaret, right? Not- it's uh, I mean, it's a. It's a cabaret hosted by a drag queen. It's going to be really oh, so fun. It is like that. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. It's uh, be awesome. 
Yeah, and I've been trying to dive into new dance forms uh, that I'm not as good at. Because uh, if people listening don't know, I primarily do Middle Eastern dance, belly dance. Uh, I've been doing that for at least a decade at this point, probably more. Um, so I've been diving more into samba recently, uh, ballet. I've been taking ballet again. Um, all kinds of, uh, oh gosh, we're taking like a high heels dance class now. That's really fun. Uh so yeah, it's been it's been really fun. It, it's I, I really can't stress enough for musicians have a life outside of music. You know, I don't know where I would get my ideas musically from without dance. Honestly, <laughs> sometimes, you know. Yeah, do something. Do anything. Do anything. Whatever. Brew it is. beer. Brew it's, beer. It's nice kites, if it's creative. Whatever. It's very yeah. nice if it's creative. Um, or you know, physical or anything like that. Like I go. Yeah, to the gym. I hate. Yeah, I hate exercising, so dance is really great because I exercise, but I don't know I'm exercising. I was about to say, don't you know, like, most popular exercise classes now are dance in some form? <laughs> yeah, I know, and there's Zumba. Zumba is actually kind of fun. It's cheesy, but it's a good workout. <laughs> so why – so what? what would you say to somebody who – is kind of is interested in doing the things you're doing either you know teaching part-time at a school and teaching side lessons and and driving around and playing with orchestras and brass quintets and kind of doing the this weird musical dance see what i did there yeah Uh, Uh. (laughs) what what would you say to somebody who's very interested in kind of doing all that mess well i'd say start gigging as a student because you can i definitely did um you need to establish now, if you're in school, establish that you're reliable, establish that you're nice to work with. I think reliability counts for so much in this field, like just people knowing that they can count on you, that you're going to be there on time and prepared. Like that is that is like 90% of the job, I'm telling you. Any tips um, for reliability? Um, use your phone apps to help you set reminders. If you're someone that runs late, schedule things in your phone like an hour earlier than they're supposed to be. Um, you know, always plan extra time for any time you're traveling. I mean, uh, and always confirm things via email. Even if someone says, Oh, you have this gig at this time and you can, and you say that if that was two months ago, maybe follow up with them to make sure it's still on, you know, and, uh, also asking if there's anything you can do to make the day easier. If it's like some kind of, you know, gig you've never done before, you know, ask for lots of details so that you're prepared for everything. Um, you know, ask your teacher if you can sub in some groups sometimes, sit in with their groups, whatever they're doing. The other thing I, I would, um, I just hope people know going into this is that it's not a glamorous lifestyle at all. I know it can sound like, oh, you're so cool doing all this stuff. But I mean, it is, uh, you will probably be in, in, at or below, maybe slightly above the poverty line if you choose this kind of work. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but for some people, that kind of lifestyle, like they can't, that that's really uncomfortable. Um, when I was freelancing here, I was living in a house with black mold and peeling paint, uh, and, you know, getting free bread at the Salvation Army on Wednesdays, you know. Uh, so, and it's, I'm not to say to feel bad about me. I was fine. I luckily was in great health. Um, and I didn't have health insurance, so that was good. 
that's another thing you need to think about. Are you someone that has a lot of medical issues? Then freelancing might be hard because you'd have to pay for your own health insurance. Um, uh, so just on a practical uh, note, just just the money is is not great. Um, and so, yeah, if you're not comfortable with with living, you know, with a bunch of roommates, maybe from Craigslist that you don't know, it might you might want to try doing something else. Here's the thing, too. I one of my uh, really good friends in music, his name is Joe Jamerson, and he's an all state exec, I believe. But he plays uh, trumpet and he's played principal trumpet in Gainesville Orchestra forever. And he played principal trumpet in the brass quintet. He's an amazing musician, but he also lives very comfortably because he's a business guy and he actually does uh, recruiting trips for his uh i guess he goes to different colleges and recruits uh you know bright students to train them to to work and when he goes to these different colleges he takes lessons with whoever is there that's a trumpet teacher so he's taken a lot with dave hickman out in arizona so um i also want people to know that like you you can have a really great active music career but also have a regular day job too that's totally possible i've seen it happen with a lot of people now yeah you might have to wake up at 5 30 in the morning to practice but if you want to do it that option is is definitely there so that's my advice and what so when so mm. what is there, do you have anything else that you would say for younger people looking to get involved as, as just players and get involved in that way? I would say get involved in your community. Definitely. If, if you're, if there's a community band, join it. Um, if you want to learn a different instrument, that's always a great way to do it too. join a community band. Um, if you are, if you want to play, any kind of performance, whether it's solo or ensemble, there are so many great ways to do that and to gain experience. Because I know with young players, the fear is like, well, I can't really charge money. I'm not professional yet. I'm not really good enough to charge money. Then bring it out into your community. Play at nursing homes. Play at, um, you know, like uh, festivals. Like, you know, we have arts festivals here in Gainesville all the time. Um, you know, just have fun with it. I have a lot of students that are in uh, ensembles that are outside of school and they just play at bars and stuff, you know, and they're, they're young, they can't drink, but they, you know, I have one student who's in a brass band. I have another student who's in a heavy metal band and they did a tour over winter break. Uh, and, you know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be classical. It doesn't necessarily have to be your instrument, your main instrument. But um, I, I, I guess, uh, another way to put it is find people who are like-minded and, and do something with them. It's a lot easier to, to do this with a, with a group of people. Oh yeah. Music's music. And just enjoy it. Yeah. And, find and I enjoy it with you're right. Fi right. And find people that are like-minded now. I think in every school, there's going to be that group of kids that's easy to get sucked into that is negative about everything and like hates everything and, you know, kind of, oh, well, I don't want to do this. This is stupid. You know, there, there's always going to be that group of kids at school. And it's so easy to get sucked into it because they seem popular and cool. But um, but don't like hang around the people who are jazzed to be there and who are open minded and who just people who just want to play. Awesome. So is there mm -hmm. anything else that you 
are up to now that you want to plug? Anything, any <laughs> projects going on? I wish I could say there was. No, we're we're uh, we're going to if uh, if you're at Surtech, come check out uh, UF to be phoning ensemble. We are going to be performing. We'll Do you know be, what day uh, yet? We don't know yet. I don't think we have a schedule. Um, also, if you're uh, doing the orchestral competition, I'll see you there because I'll be on the panel for that at Surtech. So, uh, are you doing orchest- anything with that UF Brass Festival? Uh, we have, uh, we're going to do a couple of tuba ensemble things, I think. Yeah, I kind of like to make it, uh, when I'm at school, I like to really make it about the students. Um, they're really, they're really great. And I, I, I think, you know, having just done all these recitals in grad school, I'm really ready, I'm really ready to have the spotlight off me and on, on the students in a way. But, uh, well, and they like it. It's so much fun. They, they really, uh. They really enjoy performing, and, and they're just they're good people. So. And what are the dates for that? Uh, February fourth and fifth, and there's going to be a lot of good stuff. We're going to have uh, Nathan Zonk from Atlanta Symphony. You're going to be there presenting on entrepreneurship, so that's cool. Um, I know there's going to be a bunch of recitals. I know I know Nathan Zonk's also going to do a low brass orchestral masterclass with our UF low brass section. Uh, for the orchestra here um it's just gonna be kind of an all-star cool event so i i really recommend coming if if you're around and i think is it it's i i don't know uh how to register for it but i think if you just google uf brass festival you'll yeah you'll find if you it. literally get, it's the first hit really easy and it's got it's just a page got a lot of information and the the person i forget uh the person's name who's running it uh, Eric Shin. Yeah, if you if you email him, he is very responsive. We'll get right back to you. Yes. Um. So if you're having any problem registering or anything like that, too. And then yeah, great. And I'm so also by the way, the last time I spoke to you, you told me the Surtech thing was in flux. So congratulations to you and your <laughs> studio for getting invited to that. I'll be there yeah. and I'll be cheering you guys on. Um, and uh, it's it's always good to have an audience for the tuba euphonium ensembles because it seems like everybody skips out on those things. Right. Well, and you definitely want to come to ours because I will be doing some shenanigans. I don't want to reveal what I'm doing, but it will be something that has never been at a tuba conference before. I'm just going to let you know. Oh, this is perfect, too, because this will air. (laughs) This will air not too long. This will this will air right before the Brass Festival, which is about a month before Surtec. So you're getting the scoop here, guys. Okay. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. So definitely check all that out. Well, that's awesome. Hey, where can where can we find you? Do you have a uh, website or anything like find that? Don't find me. <laughs> don't find me. <laughs> um, I have a blog. It's it's I I, I stopped writing in it uh for, during grad school, but I did update it once recently. It's uh tubarachel.blogspot.com, Mademoiselle Tuba. Um. And with Facebook, you know, I'm on Facebook, but I try to only accept friend requests now from people I've actually met just because, uh, as you can imagine, things can get messy when you start accepting too many friend requests from people you don't actually know. You know, being a woman on the Internet is so fun. And uh, so, yeah, so but feel free to, like, email me or message me. Uh, rmots at arts.ufl.edu is my email address. I'm always open to talk. 
So uh, email is a, a good route for me because uh, Facebook, I try to keep that just to people I know. So, so, all right, great. Hey, hey thank you so much for coming on today um, and talking with us a little bit and sharing your past and your path and your advice. I really appreciate it. Um, you're doing really cool stuff, and I'm so excited to hear about all the awesome things that are happening at the University of Florida and with your studio and um, and excited to see what you're going to do there and with your career. Yeah, appreciate it. I hope this was helpful in any way. Well, hey, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, this is the Young Musician's Guide podcast, and today we had Rachel Motts said it right this time. Yes. Yes. <laughs>